Acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, or thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me, and I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I accepted my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. Here's the point. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. How do your beliefs determine your success? Hello, my friends. My name is Chad, and this is the Naked Leadership Podcast, high-stakes conversations for relentless company founders. My co-hosts and I have over six decades of combined experience in leadership coaching, and this podcast is where we explore it all. There's no conversation too risky. This week, Adrian, Dan, and I sit down with Davide Zaccario to discuss the role that belief plays in our results as a leader. We talk about the key to have your beliefs work for your success and not against it. This was an incredibly enlightening conversation for me. I think it'll be the same for you. Let's jump in. Gentlemen, welcome. Hey, Chad. Thanks for having us back, Thank man. Thank you, Chad. Love being here. Be here. Always good. So let's just round robin really quick so everybody knows who's in this conversation. Adrian, we got you, buddy. Dan, and we've got Davide back on the on the podcast. We had Davide on a couple of weeks ago. Um, we were talking about the topic of what's next. That conversation has been continually expanding across our group, and uh, we're thinking more and more about how we can um, create value in that space for the people who are wondering what's next, and that's what spurred this conversation today. So uh, I can't wait to jump in with you. I'm excited about the the conversation that we have in store. I've got my pen and paper ready to go. I know there's going to be so much that I can learn and and contribute to the conversation. So what we want to talk about today is beliefs. Most uh, specifically is the impact of beliefs on our character, our culture, and our career. And I'm curious, just just give some context for those listening. In the context of, as we're talking about what's next and legacy, why are we spending the time talking about the beliefs that we hold? I'll open it to anybody. David, take it away. Why do we talk about beliefs? Oh, okay, okay. Well, I mean, uh, come on, you're all you're no, 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 but yeah, yeah, no, no. I, I love the spot. I mean, the Italian spots are good. So, um, <laughs> what, what, what? The re the reason we talk about belief is because we 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 construct beliefs and we believe we live by the beliefs we construct and at the end of the day everything we see is filtered through that and and but the point the the very important point is not because the belief is defined and and once it defines itself is limiting in itself because is is the truth is the unquestioned and that's the the point for me, because we all work on beliefs since the beginning of our work. I think that's the nature of our work. And I think we we work on belief. And, and I want to add something to this conversation, because I believe the access to um, the belief, the access to reinforce or change the belief is language. And I think we work on language, but not just the verbal language, everything about the language, you know, cultural, you know, social and uh, anthropologically also, you know, it's, it's about language. And actually, our language reinforces our beliefs and opens up for different beliefs. So I think, you know, we talk about beliefs not just to 
see what's good and what's bad about it because I don't really have that frame of mind. But to see how are they limiting what I see such that I can be what I choose to be. Mm. And then I use language to transform my beliefs there where there's a need to do it. So I, I think we all do that, and this is the process we go through in our trainings. But I believe in this context, specific context, when you look at the, what is the sense you've been giving to things, then you see what else is there. Because the definition shows you the border beyond which we want to go and see and also give play. An example, Duffy, give an example, would you? Yeah, and I was going to ask. Maybe in the example, I was I was also going to ask. Well, for the first for the person that's listening and saying beliefs, what the hell are you talking about? Uh-huh. How do I how do I even know? What do you mean? I uh, yeah, I mean I I don't believe in Santa Claus anymore. I do believe in you know this public policy. But what do you what do you mean beliefs? What I believe is possible. It's not about just me. It's about the life I'm living. Because I promise you that you live within what you believe is possible. And that's not just foo-foo. You know, it's just not up there beliefs and, and a philosophical approach to anything. It's really, you know, when you see something is possible, it's because your belief tells you it is possible. But that doesn't mean that it's, uh, it is possible or not possible. It's just what you see. I think, you know, for instance, you know, if I believe I'm good, it's difficult for me to become excellent because I believe I'm good. And so when I get to good, I am who I am. And excellence is beyond me. And so I, I say, you know what, I'm good and, and I'm fine with it. Or, you know, I justify, you know, the reason why I'm not becoming excellent. And I believe, and now again, the belief, belief and believe, but I believe that, <laughs> that uh, to change your state you have to change what you believe about what's possible. And to change what's be- what you believe about what's possible, it's about language. Mm. That's what I think. Well, yeah, for sure. The It's interesting. I, I, you could say I believe, or you could say I say, right? I say, this is how it is. And I, I say that, you know, when you talk about what a belief is, it's a set of conversations that, as you said, define who I am, or who I who I want you to think I am, or who I want me, or who I want to think I am. Or you use the words, you know, I say, who I believe who you are. I create a set of conversations around Davide. I have a history that enforces that, and then I seek out my brain seeks out those characteristics, so that if you should not show up one day you decide to show up in a new way a way i've not seen i might even say to myself well davide is not being himself today which is really what i'm saying is davide isn't fitting into the set of conversations or beliefs that i've made up about him so there must be something wrong bad or broken with what he's up to or he you know i guess he okay he's not being himself yeah. Well, well, let me give you an example. Let's bring it on to the family. You know, in the family, we define each other very often. You know, I used to be knucklehead, you know, stupid, oh, my kid cuts will, all these things, you know, <laughs> define, define each other. We're con- constantly defining through language one another. And that kind of, you know, becomes what we believe, you know, and I think then, you know, I became insecure because somebody didn't believe in me and I had to go through that belief. 
and and go beyond that belief to believe that I could say something of interest. But I started from uh, I didn't have anything to of interest to say because that was the the cultural atmosphere in which I was brought up, and I believed, and it became my belief. Yeah, if I could, and there's a, there's a in our work that one of the things we work with, one of the frameworks we work with is that you know when 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 I have a certain set of obviously ongoing beliefs that are based on evidence that I've derived from past experiences to prove that life is the way that it is and that this is who I am and this is what's possible and this is what's not possible, et cetera. And whenever an event occurs and it doesn't, and it matches my belief, then life is as it should be. I feel good. I'm excited. Life is, I'm on a roll. But the minute that the event doesn't fit the way I say it ought to be in my mind or how I believe, then I find myself resisting and naturally. I just naturally go to a resistance because my mind goes on alert. Oh, wait a minute. The world isn't showing up the way it ought to based on past experience, based on what I've decided from those past experiences. And then I start to react. And I'll react in a way that will actually produce, it'll, it'll stimulate the event so that it fits my beliefs. So to give you an example, when I think about this, I grew up with, you know, my mother was schizophrenic and often hard to predict who's going to be there when I was younger, when I, you know, starting at about age nine. And, uh, and I remember thinking to myself very consciously, women can't be trusted. And at that time it was girls had cooties, <laughs> don't near them, watch out. But it was, I could see, when I look back on hindsight, it was very deeply rooted in the fact that I couldn't predict where my mother would be when at, at any situation, especially if any, you know, tension came up. And in that belief, that set of conversations went with me into puberty, and and as as I grew up into young adulthood, and I found myself constantly, want, you know, looking for having more than one girlfriend just in case the one I had blew it like I knew they would, I had someone to back up to, right? And I and when I look in hindsight, because of course that's something I needed to get reinvent with my wife, <laughs> that wasn't gonna work. Um, but as I did, I, I, I found it was anchored into this deep concern or idea that women can't be trusted. And as I challenged it, I had to look into the past and re-mean the past. In fact, I actually re-mean the past, I realized how loyal my mother was, even through her challenges, she took good care of us. Like when I started seeing that, I was much freer with my wife and, and other women without, you know, the the patterns that were would come out of the belief that women can't be trusted. So it does, it impacts our character, it impacted my character in that way. And it generated a lot of distrust in my wife, uh, you know, uh, rightfully up until the point where she could see there was a shift, and that shift happened when we explored and re-meaned the past, and that opened up a ton. So it definitely impacts character, how I see the world and and what I do and how I justify what I do, you know, to reinforce those beliefs. It impacts the results, too. I'm just thinking about this. Um, obviously, it impacts the result. That's a 
that obvious statement, but I this I had this example of a coaching call that I was on this morning with a leader, and we were talking about the way that they give feedback to their team. Mm. And they've been very evasive in their feedback. They haven't been willing to give it generously or real time, typically waiting till a you know a one to one or a or a three sixty or whatever, holding on to all this feedback until there was the right moment to give it or the dedicated moment to give it. And even then it was very soft, right? And so we talked about how to how what's possible in giving feedback for them, how it could be re- real time, how it could both be very um uh, it could be both d- diplomatic and frank, all of the characteristics that feedback could be that might create more health on the team. And the, their their comment back to me was, well, that's all great, but I can't just go back and now be that person. Like, it would be weird for me to now go back to the team and just do that. I don't know how to do that. And that's that's not an uncommon response that I get when we discover new ways of being or new beliefs that are positive. Like, so the power of it for me is like, what will everybody else around me think if I'm behaving in a new way or if I'm if I'm producing new results? And and we let we can allow that to control the impact or the results that we create with other people. What are they going to think about my new belief? Well, yeah, powerful connection into the imposter syndrome too. How much I'm living or other people, their approval or their acceptance. I mean, all that's there. Like, I can't go back and reinvent myself as if I I wouldn't want them to do the same thing, right? Like, oh, I see something new. Now, let's try some, let's take a different tack here. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Very. I, I would say, I mean, for me, kind of the beginning of this podcast, I mean, why even talk about beliefs? For me, it's... I think it's this strong that there's zero experience that isn't generated by our beliefs. I think that's true. That every experience we have in life is generated by the beliefs we have. And there's lots of ways to test and show that at least lots of examples, just because two people can go through, through the exact same thing. And the effect of, let's just say a horrific event, a horrific event happens to two different people. They both walk out thinking different things happened. Now, why is that? Oh, it's that's so true. Uh, you know, I'm thinking about Eon's death, right? Right. And, I was too when I was saying. Yeah, yeah. It's like uh, people say, I don't know how you could recover, and I don't know if there's any recovering as much as there's a deep contribution into my life about who he was. It was. Right. It, it it sounds paradoxical, but there's a blessing that came out of it that is bigger than the loss itself. And you can't, I can't make that make sense. It's something that has occurred because I was open for it to occur. That I knew that if I, if I went modeling on it, if I made his death about me, that would, that would destroy the bonds I have with the people I'm connected to and that he wouldn't want that. Right. It's like, like there's a whole thinking that goes with it. Modeling meaning, you know, making it about me versus you letting it, letting it carve, letting it affect me in a way that drives me towards the very people Eon loves and towards his way of being. But that's that that comes out of a belief, like like the belief that the termination or the end of a life is somehow the end of the presence or the end of the blessing, and uh, there's other possibilities. Right. But one has to be willing to to you know look you know. 
when you start challenging beliefs, the first thing you're going to get in response is offense. Because, you know, anything that challenges my beliefs, in my experience, I find myself resisting and then maybe even attacking because I'm afraid of what it means, because what it means something I'm not familiar with, so that's frightening. And that could mean my demise at some level. And, and if you think about, I mean, this goes into business where somebody moves from, sells a business, leaves a team, goes to another team, something like that, opens up a new possibility. They're going to be faced with, am I go what's, what's going to be new here? Or am I going to reproduce the same thing in different form, you know, like what I had before in a different form. Yeah. Am I going to, you know, and it's so often it's really true, you know, people will leave a job because they're uncomfortable or it's a situation they don't want to deal with and they'll go into the next work and they'll, they will have just rearranged the deck furniture in the Titanic and they find themselves dealing with the same tension in a different environment, right? Yes. Yeah. Same shit, different day, different environment. What? One thing then that you were saying about your mother and, and I was listening was like you redefined who she was for you to be able to, uh, to approach the situation differently. <laughs> so it has a lot to do, uh, you know, our, our beliefs, our definitions, and, and, and when we redefine, we are using another belief. So it's all about beliefs in some sense. You know, It's a substitution of belief, one that works instead oh. of someone that doesn't work but if you go if you go if you go underneath that also you know there is a space in which you know i can craft what i believe to be conducive to yeah. who i choose to be and so i think we never become, yeah. we think with yeah choose to become because see i believe you know since we started to talk about what's next there is a lot that goes beyond. And when you talk about that, it's very interesting. I worked with uh, people dying for in a palliative care for five years, and I was with them when they were dying. And uh, one of the things that uh, it's very important is uh, the acceptance of the people around of the person's death. Even when the person is still alive and is about to die, the acceptance of those around are, it's so important because the denial because I don't know how to deal with it, because I don't have a belief placed there that appeases me, it makes us crumble. But that's actually the space in which I call people to be, because in that space, we have to define things differently through acceptance. And that's when we go beyond what we believe. Mm. And I think acceptance is the only way through and redefinition of what's going on. And, and the redefinition comes from language, just to go back redundantly about what I was saying before. But the point here is really acceptance, and acceptance is not a, is not a concept. Mainly, you know, in my life, I think um, the worst things I've accepted the most right now. And I think that gave me much more than the successes I have had. Let me ask you, what do you think provokes you to that acceptance in a like think of a situation that has been difficult and you've learned to accept it what is the driving force in the acceptance for you well first of all what what i'm about my question is what i am about and whatever happens you know what am i about you know what am i about in in this not what i would be about if this wouldn't happen 
<laughs> yeah, like, which is given what's happening. When I hear you say, given what's happening, what future do I want out of this? And what experience do I want in this? Yeah. Because yeah. see, the, the the core of the moment of chaos is actually a chaos. And you know, you can be in chaos with anxiety, or you can be in chaos with, with creativity. Yeah. And I believe creativity comes from acceptance. And you can be creative with a crisis only when you accept it. But when you resist it and you put your beliefs against what happens and say this shouldn't have happened, yeah. that's where you become irrelevant. It's not. It's not about anything anymore you're you're not you're not generating an experience you actually um you're actually thinking you're getting the experience from what's happening outside life is not fair it's what you negotiate let me say that one more time life is not fair it's what you negotiate now that's an interesting thought if that's true it means that everything you have in life right now the possessions the relationships the fitness the mindset are all a product of your negotiations with others and yourself. And if that's true, wouldn't you want to be very clear on how you negotiate? What's effective and what's ineffective? What your strengths are and what your blind spots are? It is, after all, producing all the results in your life. So here's the deal. We put together a 15-question quiz that you can take in five minutes or less and find out exactly what your negotiation style is. The results of this quiz will give you insight into your strengths and blind spots in negotiation. It will also give you insight in how you can accentuate those strengths or compensate for the blind spots. Think for just one second with me all of the conversations you're having in your life. Think about compensation or advancement conversations with people on your team, discussing financial decisions with a partner, or just getting your kids to get their damn shoes on so that you can leave the house. All of these conversations are negotiations. This simple yet powerful tool has the potential to reinvent the way you get what you want in every aspect of life. Go to negotiation.takenewground.com right now or click the link in the description of this episode and find out what negotiation style you embody. You can thank us later. Now back to the show. I just grabbed off the, the shelf my uh, AA Big Book. There's a very famous passage in that recovery, you know, the AA Big Book's like kind of the seminal, it is the seminal text for any kind of recovery um, work out there. And there's this really cool passage that might just it connects to this idea. And it says, acceptance is the answer to all my problems today. When I'm disturbed, it's because I find some person, place, or thing, or situation, some fact of my life unacceptable to me. And I can find no serenity until I accept that person, place, thing, or situation as being exactly the way it's supposed to be at this moment. Nothing, absolutely nothing happens in God's world by mistake. Until I accepted my alcoholism, I could not stay sober. Unless I accept my life completely on life's terms, I cannot be happy. Here's the point. I need to concentrate not so much on what needs to be changed in the world as on what needs to be changed in me and my attitudes. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking... And, and I... Uh, the, oh, sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, it triggered a thought or memory. I was in a training once. We had about 50 people in the training, and about 30 of them were black. We were in Oklahoma. And the other 30, 20 or five or so, something like that, 1920 were white. And one of the guys stood up and confessed at one point in his life he was the grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan. 
And I'll never forget thinking, oh, shit, what do I do now? And then I went to exactly where you went. What am I committed to have happen right now here? What am I committed to experience with these people? And the outcome of that was one of the most profound experiences of my life because I just got committed to understanding everything that was there. And what came out was, in the end, we were all just bonded, right? But at first, the initial beliefs were is pretty pretty volatile. But as we, yeah. as I was able to calm the room down and contain it, and just notice what well, everybody like notice what you're thinking, and as we got those thoughts and beliefs on the table, what emerged was powerful and was interesting because the guy who had announced that at one point he was the grandmaster of the Ku Klux Klan had also remained his own life and now was in ministry with another black minister who was training him to take the ministry over. But until that came, people could understand his journey, they couldn't, it was hard for them to connect. And it was pretty, it was interesting to watch. And But it was powerful to see as people were confronted with their own beliefs, how open they became when they could hear it, when when nobody was nobody was attacking, when they when it was the purpose of the in the was the investigation was to understand, right? Just to connect with what was there and what next emerged out of that. Yeah, one thing I want to add to to the, to that just to, to to add a little bit acceptance uh, is not tolerance, and and I believe you know people would right. sometimes think that acceptance is tolerance. Not is not at all. It's like really. Putting the thing I don't want in the place I put the things I want. That's what it is, acceptance, you know, and deal with it. Say that and, again. And point, Say that again, Davide. Putting the things I don't want to happen together with the things I want to happen. I don't, I, I, I see the moment I resist, as Dan said, is the moment I lose track and become irrelevant. So to be able to, to stay in acceptance is to welcome it, whether it's a good thing or a bad thing or the, the, the disaster the worst is welcoming it doesn't mean tolerating it it means allow it to be and be with it in the experience I choose to be for myself and others around because see the point is what do I want to be in the process and that's what not even the goal I mean the goal is important but I care about the goal but goals, we reach them and we go beyond. You know, that's really one after another. Is the experience I want to be in the process of the disaster. And the disaster to be taken care of as to be accepted and welcomed. And I know it doesn't sound uh, intuitive, but I think that's the only way we can actually deal it best with it. Yeah, but hold on. If I'm, if I'm listening to this podcast, I'm thinking I'm a successful person. I'm hard striving and I've, you know, got a big organization with me. I am Davide. The people on my team are so stupid. And you're saying to accept that. What do you mean? Yeah. That's great. That's beautiful. And, and, I, and you know, I believe that's a, that's a belief. You know, that's a great belief. People in my team are stupid. It's true, it's though, a, man. It's not just a belief. It, Don't give me your damn it can be bullshit. It it's true. true. They're so true. stupid. <laughs> all right, all right. I, I love that. It's true right now. Oh, no, it's okay. It is true for you. And I think if you want to continue to believe it, it's your it's your choice. And if you want to have stupid pe people around, I think it's because you've chosen them. And so take responsibility at least of the fact that you've chosen a stupid person first. <laughs> and then why did you choose that person? And why do you want stupid people around you? 
You want to talk about that? Mm. That's the place. I don't want to talk about that. I don't want to talk about that. Well, see, the point is this: you know, all of a sudden, they're not that stupid. All of a sudden, successful people are very. When I hired them, (laughs) (laughs) no, successful people are very interesting, like uh, because they are proofs of their success. But see, that's a combination of things. You know, success doesn't come the same way twice, and you have to be ready to look into it for whatever form it takes next time, because it's not going to take the form of last time. So your success doesn't mean you're going to be successful tomorrow. It means you've been successful today. And to be successful tomorrow, you got to be able to see beyond what you've seen today. Otherwise, there's just the repetition of what you had up until now. you got to be able, to your point, to see beyond it and to be with what's next. Because the assumption that things are always going to be the way that they were is one of the great disappointments of life, right? The only constant is change, you know? And and so things die. The ways they, that they were that we loved die. The way that, the ways that they were that we didn't love dies, right? Things die and something else is born again. And the more, it's interesting because the more I try to reproduce past ex- success, the more frustrated and resistant I get in the moment because the moments aren't all distinct and unique. Yes. And then you see people that got the Oscar, like uh, Roberto Benigni, that after that couldn't do anything else anymore because they had some, they, they've done something so good that they're afraid of uh, not being able to match themselves. And so there is a lot of stuff around success that uh, creates a lot of beliefs that we need to just uh, you know, set people free from if they want to reach uh, uh, what's next for them. And I think that's our job, and I think it's done through conversation like we're doing. Yeah, one of the one of the famous quotes, and I'm sure it's a paraphrase from Dan. He quotes Kierkegaard saying, "What we resist persists," and that's what comes to mind with the whole "my people are stupid" thing. Because obviously, we're going to have that thought when I'm judging someone else. Um, I think people's they they give up their power when they settle for a judgment, and I think your invitation is to actually go listen to and accept what's happening as it is for the sake of being getting close enough to something so you can actually change so you can actually shift it one thing here is like accept it not as it is because i don't think we can be objective in what it is but accept it knowing that we have beliefs and constructing the belief functionally to what i need to do because the point is that sometimes we're spontaneous in the construction of the belief and it goes into whatever we believed up until now. But if I know I have power of language or definition, I define what I see not as it is. I define it as I need, as I, as it served me in some ways to yeah. be able to draw value out of it. Yeah. So I want to be, I want to just recap and be explicit about the connection that we're making between what's next when we've experienced success and we're looking towards what's next to build into our legacy um, and beliefs. What I'm hearing in this conversation is that what got us here won't get us there, right? And so the the opportunity is to take a look at the beliefs that you've held up until now that probably brought you quite a bit of success in your in your life so far and in your businesses and realize or accept the idea that it's going to require something new 
to get where you say you want to go or even discover where it is you want to go in what's next. So the question for me that comes up is, how does one both be willing to question their beliefs, if that's the term we want to use, or or reconsider their their beliefs and not be blown by the wind? Yeah, like not be blown around by every different thought, change every moment. Because I think that's one of the major fears around reconsidering the beliefs that we hold so dearly is that what if I'm just being convinced of everything that's that's out there rather than something that it, it, rather than creating a belief that gets me closer to what it is I say I want. Chad, I believe that there's a limitation in the question because it's not something new. It's the ability to generate be new. a belief. It's not, we don't need a new belief. We don't need any new belief. We need the ability to generate beliefs as they serve us. It's a different space. It's not like for point from point A to point B. It is like the ability to use what you see in a way that it serves your direction. So the point is, you don't go after the wind if you know where you're going. You actually look at the situation yeah. and you and you and you interpret the situation exactly to go where you want to go. So okay. instead of being large, you actually laser. I'm laser wherever I come from because if we, if there is a disaster, for instance, I position myself very clearly about who I want to be in that situation and I move directly to where I want to go. And I use the situation to prompt me in that direction. Like the, the, the alternatives of Dan having his mother coming down not knowing who she was and then having his mother being the best trainer of his life to become who he is. So it's a different definition of exactly the same thing. So the point is, if I learn how to define what's happening in such a way that serves my direction mm -hmm. it's as if i'm sailing against the wind and I, it actually is possible you might go slower but you can sail against the wind and that's what i'm talking about yeah by having a direction but that's yours that's not like all kinds of winds will win i mean i don't follow any kinds of winds i follow i follow what i decide to do and if i think that's too costly i'll change what i want but I, the point is i i learned how to sail and that's what we're talking about here. We're learning how to sell. We're not giving them a new belief. I mean, they can buy books to find new beliefs. We need to give them a structure that they will, they will, they will bring home and interpret what they see in such a way that it helps them to move forwards. Forward. The, forward the, uh, neurologically, though, the neurologically you just described how the brain works. It's the aim that determines the beliefs we're going to cling cling to. Like what serves my aim and aim can change is a dangerous thing because it can change in a moment. But as you said, like I could look up and go, oh my God, this is going to cost me too much and re-aim. But the minute I re-aim, I will reinvent those beliefs, the beliefs to serve that aim. And that's really, you know, if people can get clear, people will get clear about their aim, they will transform the way they are in the world. Wow. I, because the language goes with it, right? You you actually start to yes. look, seek out, and attract it to the language, right? And what used to be a threat all of a sudden looks like a possibility because it serves what I'm aiming at. It's trajectory. That's what I call it. Yeah, you talk, you talk about right the aim. I talk about trajectory. Right. Give me a vector, love trajectory. Victor. It's a great term. Give me a vector, Victor. <laughs> like it's yeah. a vector, right? It's a vector. I'm going here. So now that's my vector. And 
the beliefs that match show up yep. or start to be constructed. I'm I'm thinking I'm I'm wondering if Freeman is listening here. Um yeah, a metaphor comes to my mind. I came out of the medical world and you know, whenever you want to shift something, you go and do a lot of diagnostic tests, right? So you run a blood panel and you find out actually where what is the status of these certain elements um in my uh my bloodstream right now in my body. And there is a way in which it just depends on what you want. So if you want to have, I would just say, more agency or more freedom or more power or more vitality, more aliveness, all those concepts, then you want to know what's generating your experience. And there's not a lot of places, probably, I mean, very few in the world where you can go get a diagnostic of what is constituting my own worldview. Most people don't even think to ask that question because they're just walking around in life saying, this is life that what they think, feel, see is just what life is. And they just assume it's, it's uniform across the board instead of saying, hold on, if I could take that experience, I can actually chunk it down, break it down, and understand what's generating my own experience. Some of, some of those components generate joy for me. Some of them generate despair. Some of them generate feeling of openness and, and satisfaction. Some of them want me to hide and shame. And, and I wonder what's in there for me. And where do you go get a diagnostic panel of your own beliefs? Well, our room. That's where you, yeah. that's that's where you go. Take a look. I think at what's I think, generating your experience and therefore your future. Yeah, and and I think you you're open to the analysis when you're not believing your biases. And I think that's really you know where you get to see things that you have avoided to look at so far. That's a good and I think that's on why you're always being. But that's powerful. You're open to the analysis. You're open to the feedback when you're what when you're not. Well, so not not believing your biases. You're not believing your biases. That's powerful. Right? And I, I think my, my point might be a little bit before that as well, because I think that's true. First off, to understand that I have biases. That's like, you know, step one right. is like, hold on, I actually live in biases. We call them like a default setting or being on automatic, but I actually do, and they're pretty well entrenched. There might be so entrenched, I identify as them. You know, I'll narrate. I'll, I want to uh, narrate something here that I think is actually quite novel um, compared to how the culture talks about this. So I think this is really, really important to put an exclamation mark on. Which is this: what I'm hearing you guys talk about is that most of the culture, when we talk about change, um, creating something new, all of that sort of stuff, they address. You hear a lot of talk out there about you need to address your limiting beliefs or you need to address your mindset. And what I hear you guys talking about is all of that will be taken care of when we get clear on where we're going, the trajectory or the aim, then the limiting, there no, there won't be limiting beliefs because the beliefs will follow the aim that you say you're about and, and the mindset will also do it. Yeah, well, and what's lim the only reason like the reason to check into the beliefs is to recognize what you're currently aiming at. What up sure. until now is the most important thing to you? And, you know, and that ultimately is going to determine the way you believe. So if you're going to change, you want to shift and see, have a new experience and see a new possibility, then the, the, the aim has got to shift. And that's, most people don't get to that place in the inquiry. Right, right. right. Try to yeah. muffle or brute. Or brute force change the belief 
won't do it because it'll drift back to the aim. So if I get clear what aim that brute force or that, excuse me, that belief serves, then I can finessefully shift. And, then, and, and that takes some discipline because inevitably the aim to protect myself is ever encroaching. It's a hegemon. It's a human hegemony. You know, it's like I am trying, it's trying to keep me alive and some part of me must die to get to that aim. And I'm willing to pay that price. So what, what's really exciting for me is that I'm asserting and, and now re- and realizing this is true, has been true in my lived experience is that I, I, I get, I pick the aim and get committed there. And then the beliefs will take care of themselves and the the mindset will take care of themselves because it's begun to be gonna become clear for me what's needed and wanted to it to to go after that aim. It just the other way around feels like putting the cart before the horse. Yeah, like creating beliefs and a mindset first, and then deciding where you're going doesn't make sense. That's why when well, there's, say, there's something. It's hard work. Yeah. Well, yeah, fuck yeah, that's hard work. Yeah. <laughs> There's something that uh, Adrian was saying about being aware. I think, you know, if I remember 30 years ago when I was in my first training room and uh, for the four days of the training with Daniel, one of the first things that I saw was that I was looking at myself. Uh, I never looked at myself. I never looked at uh, myself in the mirror. In fact, I remember the mornings of the training, looking at myself in the mirror and, and looking at the person that was there with a little bit of distance, you know, a little bit more of aware, like, who are you? You know, now you're reacting in ways that I don't know. Who are you? And that really was part of the training for me. And uh, and I think, I think yes, the, the objective and the, the trajectory is, is important, but, you know, it really depends on two uh, cardinal points, where I am and where I want to go. So bef- before everything, before moving even, I have to really discover where I am. And I think part of the training is also about discovering where we are in relationship to what we believe and in relationship to what we want. And I think to realize where you are is one of the best tools to create a perfect map to go where I want to go. And and I believe our trainings have always uh, given that to people, at least the people we were, I worked with for 30 years. The, the main thing is like uh, they, they see themselves differently and they realize how much their impact has been powerful and they haven't governed it. And those things really have an impact on, uh, on uh, yeah, the belief changes, but it changes if you want to, if you're, a, 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 if you're willing to be aware and receiving feedback all along, because that's really, that's really what keeps you going, you know, the, 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 the clarity of where you are and the, and the availability of the feedback to come through you. Because sometimes we, 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 all of us, we don't want to hear some of the feedback. Yeah. Well, it's yeah. I just keep thinking about the metaphor we used in the training. A, a dolphin can detect a shark a mile away and whether it has something in its stomach or not. Can you imagine the dolphin saying, I don't have time for this discomfort right now. I'm just going to relax and not worry about it and wonder why it gets eaten an hour later, right? That kind of thing. So, mm. yeah, I don't know if you can wonder after he dies, but, you know, <laughs> that's a second. He's wondering while it's dying. He's not going to learn. It's like it's like Toto that used to say, "I kill you, so I teach you how to live." You know, Toto. <laughs> but, but this is a this is a, a a scratch on the surface of the experience that people will have at Icon uh-huh. in November, and that's one of the 
main purposes we continue to have this conversation is what is the experience, the transformation people are going to experience when they come to Italy and participate in ICON. Um, and uh, just want to to make sure we don't fail to bring that back up in this conversation, make that invitation. Spots are limited. And the opportunity is to come and find out what results you're getting from the beliefs that you have and how to realign them to a new aim. Anything else that you guys want to t say about ICON? Yeah. Excited about people who are coming already and excited that we're going to have a Michelin star chef take care of us on the of course, I'm always into the food. So Dan goes to the food first, then the transformation That's second, right. and that happens and then on back Sunday. To food. So I'm and just waiting for Sunday. <laughs> yeah, I, what comes to me is, you know, anybody that that ends up coming to Icon doesn't need to come to Icon. That's for sure, right? It's it's this is crafted for successful folks, yeah. and but yet there's something there's something missing. There's just something missing and they'd be fine and they're above the curve anyway. And, and so my invite is like, and these, some of these conversations can like seem, uh, because they're maybe rare for you or maybe they're outside the norm. They might seem like heavy or deep or something like that, but this is, this is going to be a spirit of play. You know, it's like we can come and just let loose and have a good time and go explore and, and generate some curiosity and that, that choice to come explore, play, connect, all those things that we really intuitively want in our in our the right side of our brains. Like is that's where the feeling of aliveness comes from. Like that's gonna be on full blast. And we're gonna have a ball with really amazing people, all very impressive people, all very intentional people, very articulate people, very connected people, you know, very adventurous, all these types of folks. We're just collecting those types of people to get in a room together and just have a few days to explore together and play together and some new life will pop out of it. Uh, for you, I guarantee if you come and engage, you will have epiphanies galore that will last the rest of your life. And I'm not being bombastic about that. I'm, I promise you, you'll have some kind of epiphany that sticks with you for years to come that can generate a whole new future for your kids, your grandkids, your legacy. That I, I'm not being dramatic about it. I promise you that. So come and play. Come and play. I want to bring up one thing we haven't talked about, but I think is vital to this, and that's the idea of proximity. Uh, proximity to people who think differently, newly, who think in ways that open up possibilities. Proximity to influence people who influence uh, people of means, right? And I don't mean that in uh, just in a monetary way. And they they certainly that's a result of their creativity. But one of the things I think I know I've resisted and I've had to break through certain beliefs about is that idea that who you're close to, who you're connected to, has a lot to do with what opens up or closes down for me in anything in life, right? And it's that old saying, who you surround yourself with, but you know, people you hang out with, you start to become like. And and that and that that's really a one of the unspoken benefits of what we're gonna be doing is the proximity to new thinking, diverse thinking. Um, and and different networks of influence around the world with people who share these kinds of values is, uh, for me, an exciting endeavor. Yep. Um, can't wait. People can go to takenewground.com forward slash icon and apply for the experience. If you think this is for you, we'd love to hear from you. 
Uh, thank you so much, gentlemen. Davide, it's always wonderful to have you on here, man. Grazie, signore. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. Well, my friends, thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the Naked Leadership Podcast. As a heads up, every Friday we post a Cliff Notes version of that week's conversation with all the highlights in under five minutes. Check that out for a quick and powerful reminder of the principles discussed. I hope this conversation has been valuable to you. If it has, the greatest compliment you could pay us is sharing it with somebody who could use it. Thanks so much for listening and until next week, bye-bye everybody.